Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer. They're gonna make me a dining offer. I can't refuse. A martini, shaken monster. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. Uh, uh, time for Movies and Booze. We are joined by Brian Lloyd, Fanula Jones, Mick O'Connell and uh, the uh, cocktail guru from Shaker and Vine, that being Paul Lambert. Paul, uh, good afternoon to you all, I should say. Uh, um, uh, but particularly to you, Paul, because uh, you're, you're not a regular here. Now, Paul's already lined up uh, three different cocktails in front of us. Now, we'll start with a non-alcoholic one, which okay. is the... Is the, the not- purple one, yeah. 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 So there's a Christmas punch. So right. Oh. Cranberry juice, orange juice, yeah. fresh lime, Cinnamon and ginger Oh, right. Okay. Well, if you could just mo- if you could yeah. just move that microphone slightly, that's better. That's yeah. better. Oh, that's so okay. Fresh, really. Mm. There we are. Uh, so. mm, my mouth's having a little party. <laughs> <laughs> and then, if you want to, you can add a bit of white rum to it or a bit of vodka to it as well. If you want to but then it, it wouldn't a be an alcoholic no, no, one, obviously, no. but no. By, by definition. Brian is, is thrilled. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And I'm glad you're enjoying that. Drink. Yeah. No, but like you've not, you've probably nothing to compare that to, so you don't know if it's if it's. It's nice. I'm enjoying it. It's nice. I'm having fun. Yeah. It feels it's, tropical. You know. Yeah. Mm. Okay, and it's kind of a bit of a there's a bit of spice in there. Yeah, there is well, you've cinnamon and gingerbread syrup in there, so it's yeah. kind of giving you that little deep spice. Right. Okay, and so uh, uh, to make that, is that kind of something you could maybe knock up with ingredients in your own yeah, house? Absolutely. So is like it's, I said, it's just equal parts cranberry juice and orange juice, a bit of fresh lime juice. You left to source the gingerbread and cinnamon syrups, but they're easy enough to find now. And it likes a Celtic whiskey shop in town. They have them. Um, Fallon and Byrne have a range of different coffee syrups there. You'll find them in those shops. Okay, but you couldn't actually just put a bit of nutmeg in it or something like that. If you want to dust a Jesus. bit of nutmeg over yeah. the top, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've just done the shopping and yeah. got whole nutmeg, ground nutmeg, every so- every kind <laughs> of nutmeg, nutmeg that exists. And I'm going to obviously be left with all of it oh, yeah, tomorrow absolutely. once the cakes are done. So. Yeah. Maybe in yeah. a cocktail. And why, like, why do they just? Why don't they just say nutmeg rather than? Oh, it's just so annoying. It's just to be a bit, you know. <laughs> thank God, thank God for late opening. That's all I can say. I was knocking around Super Value at about eleven o'clock last night, going, "Please, somebody show me where the glycerine is, whatever <laughs> the glycerine is." <laughs> Still don't know. Uh, oh right, okay. Super Valley sounds like it's a place that would have glycerin. You, you <laughs> some description, yeah. But you know, they don't use glycerin in bombs, or is, is that wrong? <laughs> I'm not sure. What are you doing, sure. N- Nitro <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we, we, we've had the non-alcoholic one, and and it's 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 not like you know oat milk or one of those things. No, aren't really milk. It's, it's actually it actually it's tastes nice. It's it's a bit of and I suppose the thing with any kind of drink mixing at all, really. If, if you use good good ingredients and some fresh ingredients, so get get really good juices, but then use fresh lemon or lime juice and then a sugar syrup of some form, whether it's plain or flavoured, you'll make a lovely balanced drink. And then, yeah. like I said, if you want to add alcohol to it, then stick to the white spirits that into it because the brown spirits won't work very well with the juices, but yeah. the white spirits would. So you've various options there. Uh, the sugar syrup, do you mm-hmm. buy that or can you make it? You can make it. Yeah, It's very easy to make. Um, literally two parts sugar to one part water. So boil the kettle, put in 250 mils of boiling water into a jug, add in 500 grams of caster sugar, stir it till it's dissolved, done. You don't need to sit over a saucepan and watch it for hours on end. Very, very simple to do. Okay. Oh, right. I've made it before. It's very easy. Okay. Right. Ooh. Yeah. Fancy. Mm-hmm. Crunchy jest. Right. Okay. A whiskey highball. Which glass is that? It's the tall one. The tall yeah. one. Right. Okay. So now, now, I, uh, th- now this, is a, this is a whiskey sour. It's, it's, uh, it's my own. It's a bit of self-promotion. <laughs> it's my own range of bottled cocktails. Oh, right. Available. <laughs> okay. And it's the whiskey sour one. 
Um, so which is whiskey, lemon, sugar, and bitters in it. The option then that day quite after is totally up to you. But for yeah, the highball, that's the thing. Yeah. you just top it up with ginger ale. It's I see, right, okay. I mean? So you could make, buy the whiskey, buy the lemon, buy the sugar and do it all yourself, but this is ready-made. You just pour it into the glass and then top it up with ginger ale. Okay, now, and, and I, I, I do enjoy a, a whiskey sour, mm-hmm. but to me that's not a whiskey sour because it doesn't have the egg in it. Yeah. So if I have a bottle of your stuff, what do I have to do to make it, to put the egg in? You just have to add your own egg white to it. Okay, how do, you, how do you do that? You separate the egg and then just add, take a small egg and yeah. a, a, the white of a small egg is generally enough. Right. So just separate it out and just, so you pour in, the instructions are on the back of the bottle, there's a QR code which will take you to a video of how to do it. And when the sours case, ah. we split the video on two and you can see it with egg white or without, depending on your preference. Um, but the egg white doesn't, as you know, it doesn't add any difference to the taste, it's just the texture. But it's is a beautiful it, yeah, it's a frothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. Uh, it's, it's easily done. You just yeah. separate the egg, add it. So when you add in the measurement of Mr. L's, then you put in the egg white, shake the whole lot up and strain it into your glass and you're ready to go. There's no other work involved. Okay, this, this seems to be a thing now, the kind of pre-prepared yeah. cocktails yeah, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. a bottle. This was kind of, this this idea was born out of lockdowns and selling cocktails from my restaurant. And we're kind of like, so we, there, there needs to be better options for people to buy in the shops because there's not, you know? Mm. And the whole kind of drinking a home thing was really taken off. So we looked into it and Mr. L's was born. Right. This is lovely. I can drink this. Like very this is like very, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's very, very sweet. Like I'm getting, I'm getting a little buzz here. Like you're just. You would actually. The the, it's weird. It's weird. Actually, such a cheap day. So like. did I from the from the night. Like, I, I don't want it. Just says. Power of suggestion there. Well, I'm I'm settling in now. Uh, this is for the rest of the evening. Absolutely. You, yeah. you just keep these going. No problem. But won't might that push kind of people? You know, the skills of making cocktails out of business in a sense. If if you know if in bars you can just. Well, I suppose this this designed more for people to make it at home. That mm. it tastes as good as dare I say one of mine. If you were to come into Shaker and Vine, yeah, it's almost identical to it. So. Yeah. But you could just like reach back and, 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 and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just add that in there. <laughs> re- reach back for the bottle while it's giving them a bit of the old plum off. Yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, and and the third one is. It's the uh, spiced apple jack. Right. <clears throat> okay. So it's apple and cinnamon basically. So it's Jack Daniel's apple with sour apple schnapps. Fresh lime, a touch of sugar again. Just citrus and sugar that they pop up in all the cocktails because they like salt and pepper for us. Mm. They really bring everything together. And then a cinnamon rim on the glass. Oh, I don't like that one. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I don't drink. I don't normally drink so well. like, so, like it's yeah, sorry. Mr. I don't drink something like that. <laughs> I know, but I'm after like no. going through a couple of uh, yeah, like, like Republic, Mr. Yeah, Brian's sorry. wife. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna have to cycle home. I don't yeah. know how I'm gonna manage this. <laughs> okay, I'd like to apologize for every motorist in yeah. Dublin. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm, Sorry, yeah, that's lovely. Mm. That's yeah. really nice. So cinnamon's kind of one of those flavors. Oh, no, it is nice. You don't. It is nice. Yeah. I've got another sip there. Got it a, is, it yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Should tastings three times, because the first one's a bit of a shock to the palate. It is, yeah. The second yeah. one, you're kind of, oh, maybe, but the third, then you'll know if you like it or don't. Here's, here's yeah. the number three, then. Spice that, and it's Jack Daniels. What's Jack Daniels? Oh, it's apple flavored oh. Jack Daniels. Ah, it's right. It's delicious. Okay. They have an apple one, and they have a honey one, and they're both amazing. Right. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that actually. No, so yeah, it's still a bourbon. New enough, new enough to the range. Is it still a, a, a bourbon then, though? Uh, well, it's a Tennessee sour mash. Yeah. With, but yeah, American whiskey, yeah. It's yeah. sour whiskey, but it's flavoured with apple. Right, okay. And, and that's a very okay. good use for the yeah. rest of my jar of cinnamon, which is yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. like, so <laughs> sorted. Yeah. Okay, so uh, a few other suggestions there. A Christmas spritz. Yes, that's one I, I came up with. So it's kind of pink gin with lemon, and this time your sugar is going to be in mulled wine syrup. 
So you can buy these bottles of ready-made mulled wine, mm. and then it's equal parts of your sugar syrup that you've made or bought already, and the mulled wine. So you get a, so you get an, the sweetening effect, but then you're having the mulled wine flavors come through in it as well. Right. So that works then with the pink gin, and then you lengthen that with either soda or Sprite. Okay. So seven up some one of them. Okay, that's not. Uh, and, and a it's champ- very Christmassy and is light and easy to drink. Yeah. Now a champagne cocktail. Yes. Uh, that's uh, um, there, that's the icon of Christmas. That one. Yes. That's the one. Sugar cube in the bottom of the glass. A couple of drops of bitters on it. Fill it up to the level of the sugar cube with cognac, and then top it up with your bubbles. Right. Ready okay, that's pretty straightforward. Very straightforward. Very easy to do and delicious. Yeah. Now, a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my own. It's, uh, I thought so. <laughs> it's it's a twist on an old fashioned. Again, using the the um, mulled wine syrup as your sugar in it. Mm. Uh, we use a different type of bitters, orange bitters, and then bourbon or rum. I I love rum. Aged rums are my favorite, so I use an aged rum in it. So it's, it's, that's your rum, your sugar, and your bitters. And you just stir that and then a little orange zest and you're done. Yeah. In behind your bar then, in mm-hmm. Shaker and Vine, how many, I mean, apart from the alcohol that people would know, but things like bitters and all those other yeah, kind of well, ingredients, I, I, how I, much of, of that stuff is there? We, we have a bit, but we've got, I'm, I'm lucky enough, I have a lot of space that we've kind of a prep kitchen at the back that we kind of make our stuff in. And then we keep smaller bottles of it out front so we don't need a huge amount of space. Yeah. A chocolate orange espresso martini. Yes. Now, I, the, the espresso martini, I, I, I know this. Uh, I know that it's very hip at the moment. I think they're gack person. I I go to espresso martini. You're, you're on the I've, winner, like I've got it coming out in the Mister L's range in the new year. Uh, this one's really good. But um, with the espresso martini, take your standard recipe of vodka, Kahlua, coffee. Add in some chocolate liqueur and a bit of Cointreau or Grand Marnier, one of them. Some chocolate orange flavors to it. Just give it a cinnamon, a Christmassy twist. I'm like an over-affectionate puppy on um, espresso martinis. <laughs> I like would literally go around licking people's faces. <laughs> I mean, they do wild things to me. So I've seen my wife on them. <laughs> and finally, a Christmas Cosmo. Yeah, just a simple one. Um, there's a, a, a liqueur called Velvet Falunum from Barbados, which is lime and clove flavoured. It's delicious. Um, but yeah, just add a bit of that into your Cosmo instead of triple sec and just give it that Christmassy flavours. So then wow. you vodka, cranberry and lime. Wow. I have about six kilos of cloves if you need them. <laughs> <laughs> if you go online, you'll find a recipe for making homemade Falunum. I think nutmeg might be in there as well. Actually, so. You're <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Ideal. Wow. Okay, well, uh, we do have to uh, separate uh, Mick's tongue from Brian Lloyd's face <laughs> at the moment, Sorry, so yeah. we will take a, a commercial break to do that. In the meantime, Paul Lambert uh, from Shaker and Vine and Mr. L's Cocktail. Thanks a million for Thank coming in much, today, Sean. Paul. Uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show and News Talk. We'll take a break. Back in a sec. Indeed, it is time for our Christmas uh, movies and booze. We are joined uh, once again by Brian Lloyd, Fanula Jones, and ready to lick the face off anyone, Mick O'Connell. Uh, good afternoon uh, to you all. Uh, Mick, while your tongue is still in your mouth, uh, uh, tell us about what wines we're going to be talking I, I'm about. I'm actually thinking about just giving up wine and doing cocktails. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, that's I mean, your... They're, they're great. Great. I think that could be the future. Yeah. There's probably <laughs> more money in it as well. There probably is. There's more alcohol <laughs> per glass, so yeah. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> now, t- today we've got to what I would call kind of Christmas table wines. So nice wines to go with the the turkey plus trimmings on Christmas Day. We've got one from Roisin Curley. Um, oh, yeah. Our fantastic Mayo woman who makes amazing wine in Burgundy. And then we have another Burgundy, but a red, a Pinot Noir from a producer called Domaine Biard. And they're from the Haute Cote de Beaune. But these are two posh-ish wines and I mean like if you're not going to do it at Christmas 
When would you do it? Exactly. exactly. What does table wine mean? I just mean you need loads of these on your table. Right, OK, because sometimes you see, you know, that written on in French in, yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah. on the label. And I often wonder, are they dissing it slightly or, the, or what it, does that mean? It used to mean the lowest classification that you could get in, in Spain, in Italy, in France. So it would be, you could hypothetically have grapes from near Paris and grapes from near Montpellier, blend them together and you'd get a table wine in France. Now, the, it, it's kind of changed a little bit. You have cool producers like Sasakaya who charge 250 quid a bottle in, in Italy, who when they started were a vino de tavola, so a table wine. So they've kind of turned the rules on their head a little bit. And, oh. and ta- table wine now, it could mean, you know, the cheap plonk, or mm. it could mean a producer who just wants to bend the rules. Okay. Wow. Wild that's in so, wine. That's so, so edgy. So it really is. Yeah. They're, uh, right. And uh, Brian, Brian's going to be uh, running through uh, some of the movie, uh, some movie picks for, to watch on TV uh, uh, over Christmas. Plus, also uh, looking forward to uh, some movies coming out uh, in the new year. Do you Sorry. think uh, so far from what you've seen from you, maybe you've seen one or yeah, two yeah, of the movies coming out in yeah. twenty three? Yeah. Uh, but like, is is it going to be a, a good year? Will it be a better year than the year we've just had? I should think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do think that um, the films that I've seen in in January are definitely some of the. I mean, that's always the case because. <clears throat> You normally find that January is normally filled with all the Oscar contenders. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see like Tar, that's the Cape Blanchett one. You're going to see the Fablemans. You're going to see Babylon, that's the new Damien Giselle one with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. And then you have the Fablemans, that's the Spielberg one. Did I say that already? You yeah. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. drink. That's and yeah. Um, Empire go. of Light I'm as well. I'm really sorry to Brian's wife. <laughs> She's actually outside. She's like, all right, okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really hitting me. I didn't even really think of what it is. It actually is going to hit she's me. She's texting and currently uh, going, please stop. Yeah. Yeah, she's actually saying, please don't drink. It's really going to hit you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, generally yeah. speaking, January does tend to be the Oscar kind of contenders come out in January. But then February, then you have the kind of, you know, the horrors. They actually do get a lot of horrors in uh, January and February. Like, they're the kind of cheapy ones, but they're always really, really interesting. Like, mm. Megan is coming out in January. Oh, right? Meg Ma- Ma- Tregan, the Android Ma- girl. Yeah, the Android, the Android the girly. And- I'm really excited for that. Yeah. It's going to be so bad. Yeah. Have you seen this? No. It's like some AI. It, it's Chucky, but it's AI. Like, she's like a robot. The child's parents die in a car crash, and she's inherited by this other woman. And she's like, I don't know how to parent a child. I'll get a robot, and she'll be friends with her. And then uh, we've all seen a robot. The, the child, the child robot obviously goes mad and yes. is like trying to kill the other child. Iconic. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Yassified. It's like a Yassified Chucky. Yassified Chucky, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's how, like, the second week in January. And that's the thing. Like cinemas, know like cinema bookers and all the rest of it. They know this. Like come, come like January, people are just looking for a, just an easy watch, not all the kind of the Oscar yes, ones. It's right, sort of counter yeah. programming. So these kind of like clunky, clunky, you know, schlocky horrors do huge business. Uh, okay, brilliant, yeah, fantastic. Also, I mean, I was I was talking to one of the uh, uh, writer directors of an Irish goodbye, which has been shortlisted for uh, in yeah. the shorts, like. Has this, has, like, this year been the best year ever for Irish cinema? Arguably? Pretty close. Like, I mean, like, I mean, okay, so you've got Banshees of Inish Air and obviously with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Then we obviously have on Colleen Kuhn getting mm. into the shortlist. I would, it will definitely get nominated. Yeah. Definitely get nominated. Oh, yeah, 100%. I be, would be shocked if it wasn't nominated. 
Um, but like, I mean, in previous years gone, like you had Room, you had The Favourite. I mean, they were yeah. all produced by Element Pictures and everything. Lenny Abramson was director for Best Director and all the rest of it. So we've had good years in the past. And then obviously, you know, My Left Foot, you know, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis and Jim Sheridan. But they were, they were kind of one-offs that seemed to... They were, this, yeah. It seems kind of more almost normalised now that it we're is. producing films. Though. It is. And I think a lot of it is due to the fact that... Um, the fact that Parasite won for South, for South Korea, that really did kind yeah. of jump a big hurdle for foreign language films. It did become more accepted. And I do think, you know, the fact that we are an English-speaking country, you know, there is less of a hurdle to cross for American audiences, or certainly Academy voter audiences. Do you know that's all yeah. right? So I would not be surprised in two, three, four years' time if there is an English-speaking Irish film that's somewhere in the mix for uh, the Oscars. Yeah, God. Right, so what is a Nepo baby? Um, it's pronounced Nepo baby. Sorry, Nepo baby. Say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. It's short for nepotism. Um, so right. it's okay. basically, it's this term that's kind of become really popularized, popularized, I would say, in the last five years. Um, and it's basically referring to like the children of famous people, like their famous offspring and how they end up kind of coming into the industry themselves and the advantages they generally have because of that, you know, the open doors, like it's less risky for them to pursue something in the arts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, And Vulture over in the States did an article this month that kind of outlined all the people who you might not realise are like, basically have gotten this leg up through nepotism. And like, I thought it was a pretty fair piece. I didn't think it was really like take downy in a way it was more just a case of this is the invisible network that works with these people to ensure that they continue to get opportunities even if they're not necessarily like terribly talented yeah exactly uh, like on the cover you had like Dakota Johnson like John David <clears throat> Washington uh, Zoe Kravitz like they're I suppose they're kind of the biggest examples and basically then other famous people have been going like absolutely demented over it but trying to justify the fact that you should feel sorry for us and stop giving out to us that we like got all these opportunities but just because we were born into it you know what I mean we had now in fairness I actually thought this was a decent take O'Shea Jackson Jr he had like a thread of tweets he's Ice Cube's son and he right. obviously played Ice Cube in the the movie about them Straight Outta Compton he said he had to audition for like two years to get that role which is kind of mad when it's like your dad you know what I mean no it's mm. still like you still got it because it was your dad but he had kind of got straight maybe he tweets. got it because he was the best for it and he looked like his dad probably was an advantage yeah too, exactly and it was even that thing of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has talked before about you know how, her when she got cast mm. in Halloween that it was obviously like it was her it was basically when it got to the end it was like her and one other girl and it was like of course they were going to pick the girl whose parents were in Psycho and everything else because that's great press for a new horror franchise as well you know what I mean but anyway he's your man O'Shea Jackson Jr. has come out and said basically that people should be people should be doing it uh, because it's like they've inherited this like generational wealth and talent and that's why they should be doing it and they'd be doing like their parents and their family members a disservice by not going into the arts. And then you have people like Lily Allen who's obviously her dad's Keith Allen uh, her mom, Alison Owen, she's a movie producer. She had these tweets that were like, the Nepo babies y'all should be worrying about are the ones working for legal firms, the ones working for banks and the ones working in politics. If we're talking about real world consequences and robbing people of opportunity, but that's none of my business. She kind of walked it back then, kind of didn't. Uh, Eve Hewson, obviously Bono's mm. daughter, initially had a very like, 
strong reaction to it like a lot of comments on the original post which I couldn't find now so I don't know if they're deleted but and I'm paraphrasing but she was mentioning the fact that Lily Rose Depp was on the cover and she was saying God this is the only way they'd be able to get her on the cover by covering something like this she was basically having a go at them you know using the term Nepo, Nepo babies whatever then she kind of walked it back and tried to spin it that she was like joking and that she wanted to be in the article and she was annoyed that she wasn't included she was when she was she yeah. was yeah yeah someone pointed oh. it out to her then and she was like we should all go as like Nepo babies for Halloween or something it was it was very strange because initially she was very much like why are you talking about this it's not important and there is an argument for that but it's less relevant when it's coming from someone like Eve Hewson to be honest so yeah is it but like she's an actor like her dad isn't an actor yeah, she, he wouldn't be, you know. But I, he's still I, in the he's still in the arts. He's I know, still in the but, media, and but he's still, he give and you, but he's also a wealthy man. I know, yeah. he's not, no, and so there would be inherent advantages in that. That's a given. But for Eve Hewson to get a part, essentially at the end of the day, like no directors or producers going to cast her because just because Bono's her dad. But like they have to go. God, she has to be able to act. But that's a, again, you know, I do think it goes back to that press thing where it's like you know it, that added, helps because yeah, it's like a yeah. bit of sprinkling on top. Yeah, but, and it, but it's not necessarily also about just the casting decision it's like how did you even get in the door to be casted do you know what I mean like it's those decisions beforehand and it also goes back to people get hung up on the the opening doors which obviously is a massive factor um, but it's also like it's much less risky for them to do stuff like that and they get the opportunity to kind of fail and fail again at stuff like look mm. at Brooklyn Beckham's the best example mm. of this like look and I know that's different because he's not necessarily but like he tried to be a photographer that's went as well as it did he had a book in which he had photos of like shadows. animal shadows and was like <laughs> he had a, there's his photography book there's one section where it's like him trying to take a photo of an elephant and he, and the the caption is again I'm paraphrasing but it is something like elephants so beautiful so hard to photograph why are you why are you including that in a book of photography you know what I mean mm. and you're trying to say that you're a, an expert photographer I don't and now he's going on doing this chef thing the man can't make a fry you know what I mean it's just because he's David and Victoria's child like yeah, that's true. Now uh, he's married to a multi, 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 multi billionaire. So yeah. it's, it's going to mm. be okay. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Gosh, Nicola Peltz. Okay. Come from that good, good money. He's uh, fine. Somebody wants to know was Mick supposed to be uh, sh- uh, looking for gelatine? Instead of glycerin. You said jelly night. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was glycerin. 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 No, no, yeah. that was a legitimate yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a legitimate thing. Anyway, tell us about our first wine today. Uh, so, Roisin. Is Roisin currently now still, like, she's like a pharmacist. Does yeah, she still so, do so that? So her family own Curly's Pharmacy in Ballyhonneth. Right. And she still does that. And she kind of splits her time between Mayo, Dublin and Bone, which is the kind of capital town of Burgundy. Um... And have you guys tasted this? Yeah, it's yes. lovely. It's just yeah. so delicious. Yeah. She she really has the golden touch at wines. She's fantastic. We should be very proud of, of, of this. You know, when we talk about Bono and stuff, we all hate him because he's successful. But like we're Roisin, she's nailing it and we should all love her. Um, this is Bourgogne Cote d'Or. Um, and Cote d'Or is kind of the region just above Bone and just below Bone. Mm-hmm. So Bone being the capital town. And, and just to give you an example of the stuff above, it's Gevry Chambertin above and Merceau and Chassan Montrachet and stuff like that below. So these are the really famous um, villages around around Burgundy. And these are also the, the kind of top grapes and you'll pay top dollar for buying grapes here. Roisin is a micro-negotiant. So what that means is she doesn't own land and it would be very, very difficult for an L blow-in to, um, yes, to course, own land yeah. in Burgundy. <laughs> this is the most, uh, most expensive agricultural land in the world. Like, if we were all 
Bono, we probably still couldn't get in because mm. not only can we afford, we could afford it, but the land just doesn't come up for sale. It's all inherited. Um, but she will purchase from vine growers there and she'll buy the fruit. She'll make contracts with those guys and then bring it back to her winery, which is just west of Bone, and make splendid, splendid wines. This is Chardonnay. And for me, Chardonnay, I know most people like to drink reds on Christmas Day. But for me, Chardonnay and oaked Chardonnay are, that's the perfect combination with turkey dinner. Yes, um, yeah. Like like turkey really, you know, and we're talking geeky food and wine pairing. Obviously, folks, just drink what you enjoy. Spoil mm. yourself. It's Christmas. But if we're talking food and wine pairing, turkey's kind of, it's, it's a white wine kind of yeah, uh, yeah. meal mm. and even all the trimmings I mean it all lends itself to Chardonnay textural like this one is mm. um, and this is in Burgundy spheres this is pretty good value as well this is about 45 quid okay would Roisin Curley then be the Bono of wine producers? Uh, <laughs> no, would no, she be, no, Will one of her that. children be producing a book of photography in 20 years' time? <laughs> no, no, embarrassed no, about. no, no. Because I, 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 she's not going to... Their, her kids aren't going to inherit land in Burgundy. There's going to be no advantage True, here. yeah, true. But they have the pharmacy to back them up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I tell you what, given the amount of colds going around, <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. I know what business I'd rather be yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We do have to take a break. Uh, after that, we're going to be uh, looking at uh, some uh, uh, movies to look out for over the Christmas season. Funny how I have that effect on people. It's something about my face. It's a nice face. You think so? I wouldn't say it if I didn't. Oh, you're that type. What type? Honest. Not really. Good, because all these women frighten me. Why? I don't know. Somehow they seem to put me at a disadvantage. Because you're not honest with them? Exactly. Like that business about the seven parking tickets? What I mean is, the moment I meet an attractive woman, I have to start pretending I've no desire to make love to her. What makes you think you have to conceal it? She might find the idea objectionable. Then again, she might not. Think how lucky I am to have been seated here. Well, luck had nothing to do with it. Fate? I tipped the steward five dollars to seat you here if you should come in. Mm-hmm. He would have been so cancelled now. That was uh, North by Northwest. Uh, that's on uh, BBC Two on Saturday, December the 24th at one forty. I must say, Brian, those mm. kind of Hitchcocky films at Christmas. Yeah. That, you know, that, uh, that's, Chris- that's a Christmassy film to me. It is, yeah. yeah. That and uh, Bridge on the River Kwai as well. Mm, yes. I would put, or Ben Hur, because for me anyway, like I don't get to watch big, long, three-hour epics for myself other than for work. Like, But for myself, I only get to watch them around Christmas. And that's what I spend most of Christmas doing is like rewatching like North by Northwest or, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, the black and white one or Ben-Hur, Bridge in the River Kwai, as I was saying, um, The Longest Day, all those ones, like all those like big kind of cla- old school classic Hollywood epics. I only ever get to watch them around Christmas. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, I've noticed a lot of TV programmers, they're programming a lot of like old reliables over Christmas, like mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is on Christmas Day and all the rest of it. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like that, and I think that's almost a kind of a it's a what's the word? Um, a reaction to the fact that everyone can watch whatever they want on streaming, but it's like no, we're going to 
plow the furrow that has been there. Okay, for that's so many an interesting years. point. Why is the original black and white uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street better than the Dickie Attenborough one? I think it has to do with the fact that um, it's more acceptable for that kind of gawking kind of sentiment- sentimentality mm. in the forties one. The black and white kind of gives it a veneer of integrity that <laughs> yes, the Dickie true. Attenborough one doesn't have. Not to say that. The, not to say that. You know, Darling Dickie isn't brilliant as Santa. He's mm. absolutely fantastic. Like, And it's a good film, but I think when it's the 1940s one, there's just a little bit more to it, I think. Like, I mean, I was listening to a clip of it the other day, actually, and um, it was the bit when she's talking about wanting them. Um, she wants a house with a backyard and all the rest of it, and Santa's like, oh, that's going to be a bit of a trouble. It caught me right in the middle of the chest because yeah. I was thinking about, like, friends of mine and stuff that are trying to buy houses and all the rest of it, and they're really struggling and all the rest of it, and it made me think of them, and I, it just... Yeah. It, just, it got me yeah. right in the middle of the chest, like, you know, Were so... You sitting there in your patio at the time? I'm so lucky, <laughs> Right, so, uh, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, it's on TG Caharta, 12.40pm at some Sunday 25th, that's on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, yeah. Uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, also on Christmas... Uh, no, it's Stevens's Day, that's yep. on RC2 at, at 5.50. Now... A few of your choices, though, may be uh, slightly un-Christmassy. Sure. Uh, on the 23rd of December, on That's TJ Carr, Django Unchained. Right. Now, now, if I may, if I may, TJ Carr, and I've written about it, and I have praised them for it. They have this, every Friday night, they show a Western. Mm. It's brilliant. It is fantastic. People will remember uh, the last picture show that used to be on RTE. Yeah. I used to watch that religiously as a kid. And uh, now TG Carr have taken up the Western and they play it every Friday. Tonight they're showing Django Unchained. For my money, one of uh, Quentin Tarantino's best films. Not his best. His best, I believe, is Jackie Brown. But yeah, this is great. Three-hour epic. Uh, Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz shooting up everybody, shooting up racists, shooting up Don Johnson. It's great crack. And yeah. a great soundtrack, too. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, on uh, December 26th, an RT won 1917. Uh, yeah, I... I... <laughs> No, okay, look, it's not exactly spreading Christmas joy for all those uh, watching it or whatever, but it's a great film. Sam Mendes um, does this World War One epic. It's two soldiers are sent out to try to get a message um, to a battalion that's about to attack and they're walking into a trap. Um, I love this. I thought this was really, really good. I thought it really kind of brought the kind of the the unimaginable horrors of World War One brought it down to a human level. Um and, you know, his his film that he's got coming out in the new year, Empire of Light, not as good, a bit more kind of intimate, I think. But this, you know, when Sam Mendes puts his mind to it and he does these big, big scale epics, he can mm. do them really, really well. Because obviously he did Skyfall and that was one of the best Bond mm. films of the last, God, 25 years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when he does, when he puts his mind to it, he can make these really, really intense uh, films. Road to Perdition was another one as well, which I thought was terrific. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this 1917, and it's a great cast. And it's really interesting as well because like it has like these great actors in tiny little roles. Like Benedict Cumberbatch has yeah. one scene. Um, Andrew Scott has one scene. Mark Strong turns up for one scene, but they they make such an impact when they're in that one little scene. Like, and I love that. You don't yeah. see that anymore. No, you don't actually see that anymore. And maybe that's something that they want to, they're prepared to work for him for one That's scene. it. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that I feel almost they make more of an impact in that one scene than if they were like chugging through the entire film. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, onto the streamers. Now, Glass Onion, that's one of the nice yes. jobbies. Yeah. Yes. Now, I, I love that. But, it's a bit, or, but I love, at least certainly I love the first one. But mm. it's a lot of people didn't. It seemed to be kind of a bovril thing. Some people either, it annoyed them. Knives out? Yeah. 
Oh. Uh, the, I suppose kind of the campiness of it or whatever. Sure. Or something like that they didn't like. But you know? like, okay, look, it's a murder mystery. It's an yeah. Agatha Christie inspired. Of course it's going to be camp. People remember Clue from the 80s. It's just so camp. Like Tim Curry running around mm. as the butler. It's inspired from that. But yeah, Glass Onion, this is the uh, continuation of Knives Out. Uh, Daniel Craig is back as Benoit Blanc. He's sent out to this Greek island by this multi-billionaire played by Edward Norton, who's kind of an Elon Musk stand-in. Um, okay. just basically full of BS, full of his own kind of importance. He's uh, brought all these disruptors, and please note the inverted commas <laughs> I'm using with disruptors. <laughs> I don't have inverted commas big enough for it. But um, it's a great cast. Like um, Kate Hudson is in there. She plays this fashion influencer. Dave Bautista is this manfluencer, which is like one of these... <laughs> that's, no, that's the term, apparently. Yeah, Joe Rogan and that Tate lad, whatever his name is. Oh, right. Is that what they are? Manfluencers. Manfluencers. Oh, yeah, it's a whole thing. There's a whole subsection, and Fiona will back me up. Fanula will back me up in this. I'm getting drunk. Um, yeah. Hype beast on Instagram and all this kind of stuff. It's a whole thing. It's yeah. So Dave Bautista's yeah. character is one of those. Um, but yeah, it's really, really fun. It's really, really smart. Really, really intelligent. Um, but also ridiculously funny. And I'm, I'm going to go home eat something because I need to sober up, <laughs> and then um, watch Glass Onion. That's okay. on Netflix from today. Uh- now, uh, I just want to read out a text from Elmo from the People's uh, Front of Ruski. Uh, says, is it just me or was the Banshee of Inishir in a load of muck? Bar of the scenery was an atrocious movie. Typical Martin McDonough. Get a load of oddballs on an Irish island and see what happens. It's like we can't say it's useless because it's Irish. The guard, it is most definitely not. Now, oh that was a movie, God. says Elmo. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> did he ask it just me? Yes, yes, it is. It is. Oh, my God. Oh, I'll be so annoyed if he doesn't get the the nom and the win mm, for it. Just, yeah. just come on. God, he's been on the slog. He deserves yeah, it now. On. And this Colin. is going to be and this is going to be on Disney Plus, or is it there it is, already? It's on there right now. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that, yeah. that is actually great news. See how they run. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I just I saw the poster and I thought, mm, why not? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it was just prejudice on my part. Okay, well, no, that's fair. Yeah. Um, this is a similar vibe to Glass Onion in that it's kind of cosy crime is what they call this sort of subgenre. Right. But yeah, it's a murder mystery set in 1950s London. Sir Sharona plays a uh, guard, or sorry, a police officer in 50s London, teamed up with Sam Rockwell, who's this alcoholic uh, detective worn out from the war and worn out from kind of his own personal travails. And they're sent to investigate a murder that takes place on the stage of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. Okay. So plays with the production of The Mousetrap, plays with like what people know about murder mysteries. I really enjoyed this. I thought this... Look, I mean, I fully admit I have a complete yen for murder mysteries. Like, I just can't get enough of them. I read Agatha Christie all the time. Um, I'm just, like, stalking chapters for any of it. Um, but, yeah, no, this is uh, similar to Glass Onion and Knives Out. Very smart, very witty, very, very funny. Great ensemble cast. Saoirse Ronan knocked it out of the park with the comedy. She should be doing way more comedies because I do think she has a natural inclination to comedy mm. that doesn't get brought up enough I mean I know she kind of did it in Ladybird and she was doing it in the Grand Budapest Hotel as well but in this it was just purely a comedic role and she was brilliant in it so okay all right okay yeah I suppose because yeah people wouldn't be that used to seeing her being straight out comedic especially the last few roles she's had yeah and in fairness and in fairness to her she admitted it as much that like she found it difficult but like she wanted to do it because she's not known for it or whatever but she was brilliant in it she was a complete natural great sense of comedic timing she was able to hold her own against Sam Rockwell who is a very very funny uh, actor 
Um, and yeah, it, she's really, really good in it. And I'm amazed this didn't do better in cinemas, but it's on Disney Plus now. OK, uh, we've had a second text in, uh, presumably from the other member of the People's <laughs> Front of Ruski. Yes, Banshee was like a long gothic episode of Killing a Scully. Uh, not as good, though. Ooh. Ouch. Like, Ouch. Just, it's it's right. just you Ouch. two, though. Just you two. Yeah. Very uh, just you two so people. Wrong. I tell you what a bad film is. Uh, Black Adam. Is it single-handedly taking down the DC franchise? Uh, no, I think DC, DC was kind of up the creek even beyond this. We talked last week about how Henry Cavill had to come out and be like, I'm Superman. And then a week later was like, actually, I'm, I'm not. not. Sorry. Yeah. And he gave happening. up another job to be the Superman. Witcher. Gave yeah. up the Witcher. But now there were, there were things that he kind of wanted to leave the Witcher anyway due to creative things. But I'm sure he's now like, I wouldn't mind the job. But anyway, the latest development with the DC kind of being up in the air is that the Black Adam sequel that was planned, like that's fully halted now. That's kind of not going anywhere, not moving forward anytime soon. Uh, we've the new studio bosses in that's James Gunn and Peter Safran James Gunn is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy director okay. he's basically said that he had a conversation with Dwayne Rock Johnson and was just like yeah like this this isn't happening uh, just with where they're going with DC and everything else and the new plans because they obviously only came in I think it was a couple of weeks after the movie came out in October now they're like Obviously, the movie didn't do that well. Like, it was critically panned. I can't remember if it was you that reviewed it for. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you didn't like it. it. Commercially, commercially it it, it did okay. It didn't do that well. Um, I suppose it's disappointing from Dwayne The Rock Johnson's perspective because it was a huge passion project for him, like, getting it to the screen. Originally, Black Adam was supposed to just kind of show off in... Uh, <laughs> was it, though? I Could mean, you imagine, like, you're, you know, you're you're the best paid actor in Hollywood, and you go, what's your passion project? Oh, I don't want to do Shakespeare, or, or you know, uh, I don't want to do Macbeth, I want to do some crappy character and, But it's know. a vanity thing for them. Yeah. It's, it's, to- just it's totally vanity. ego. I think there's maybe a representation argument he'd make as well, but it has to be ego, where it's like, I'm heading up this, you know, I'm right. the anti-hero, and I'm heading up this own movie for myself, because originally he was supposed to only show up in Shazam I think as the villain and then he ended up getting his own movie it took like 15 years before Black Adam even became a thing in theatres so yeah that um, that's not happening DC continues to be a total mess so that's like the Superman 1 isn't happening Black Adam 2 isn't happening and then Wonder Woman 3 is still like very much on ice so I don't know what right. we're so going to get do the Batman have- 2 is probably the next one that's like confirmed and like isn't going anywhere so but I don't think that's not for another year or so definitely yeah so. Joker 2 as well that's DC as well oh god yeah. yeah that's yeah. next year isn't it yeah that's next year yeah they're filming that right now is there any sign of a decline in, in just general superhero movies that the, the gas might have gone out of it <laughs> A bit? I mean, like, I mean, definitely, like, the phase, what are we on now, phase five, I think, now of Marvel or something like that. It didn't do well. Like, it hasn't, it didn't really go over with audiences all that much. I mean, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever did good, did okay in the box office, but it didn't come close to the first one. Um, And I mean, you know, that's not just down to the fact that Chadwick Boseman passed away and that the film had a much more somber tone. I just don't think audiences were as invigorated by it as the first one. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of... I mean, look, the whole theatrical business is just up in the air. Mm. It's just... No one really knows what's going on. Warner Brothers are in serious trouble with HBO Max. They're they're cancelling shows, and not only cancelling shows, but they're disappearing them off HBO Max because they don't want to have to pay uh, residuals to actors anymore and to all the cast and crew. Um, Paramount Plus in Ireland I think has been a 
bit of a letdown for people. I mean, I know it's been packaged in with Now TV and all the rest of it, but it hasn't had the integration that they wanted. Um, Netflix are still throwing money left, right and centre, but they can only do that for so long. I mean, they're still pumping stuff out and yeah. people are not really it, sure if they're watching it or not. And then Prime Video, I mean, they've always been a bit strange because they don't tend to kind of go for films. They tend to go for series, but then they made a huge bet on the Rings of Power, like made like a, what was it, like a... Two billion commitment for mm. five seasons. Wow. Yep. Yeah. But did anyone really watch it? Did anyone did it kind of break through in mm. culturally speaking? I'm not too sure. So yeah. Yeah. It's strange. It's just it's it's all up in the air. Yeah. It's a serious state of flux. I think. Yeah. Indeed. Or, on that uh, somber note, we will uh, take a commercial break. More movies and booze after this. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Sadly, on this Christmas Eve Eve, the abuse for the Banshees of Inishiran is still coming in. Uh, Thank Christ I'm not alone, says one texter. Passable, but forgettable. Two hours, way behind three billboards. Mockney Irish stuff will not stand the test of time, uh, says Kieran, who's listening to us in Luxembourg. And Mick, uh, and Mick says the Banshee is like the tracker mortgage advert. People raving about it, but they haven't a clue what's going on. Uh, right. Uh, on that note, we'll find out uh, who wins the 55 grand. Right, so congratulations to Damien and his family, and he was totally in the jacks when he was taking <laughs> that call. Uh, right, so you can now sue over a, uh, over a trailer, Fanula. Yeah, so in the States this week, a federal judge ruled that movie studios can now be sued under false advertising laws if they release deceptive trailers. Uh, how did this come about? Anadarmus fans, essentially. So they took out a class action lawsuit uh, because they rented yesterday Danny Boyle and Richard mm-hmm. Curtis's movie um, after seeing Anadarmus in the trailer, but she doesn't actually make the final cut of the movie. So the fans ah. were annoyed because they paid... $3.99 to rent it from Prime Video um, and then ended up seeking $5 million in damages as the proposed class, a- class action lawsuit. So now they've basically brought it in that it's like, yeah, if you're distributing these trailers and they're not actually true to what's in the movie, like, you could be in trouble. But then that poses the question when we're on the subject of superhero movies, like people are wondering how it's going to impact companies like Marvel because they're kind of devils for that, like mm. releasing trailers with clips that don't make it anywhere into the final cut of the movie. So are the, how are they going to... Get or like characters removed like, like yeah. it was a big thing with like um, I think it was Far From Home when they actually had like the three spoiler alert they had the three Spider-Men but the shot that was in the trailer was just one Spider-Man and people were giving out about it like, yeah. so. but like the, it's not sorry there was not um, like I remember like about I think it was about 10-12 years ago there was a woman who sued about uh, the trailer for a Drive the Ryan Gosling film she said that the trailer made it seem like an action film and it wasn't an action <laughs> film it was just a really kind of boring you know, 80s neon thriller kind of thing. And I don't think it went anywhere, but it's definitely been a thing coming for a while. Okay, so you couldn't see on the basis of this trailer claim this movie was good. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love the idea of her just being like, this is bad. Yeah. I don't like huh? this film. I want my money. Because yeah. like, your man from the from the people's front of Ruski could be suing the, you know, suing the Inishirin people any day now. Right, so let's uh, let's talk about our red wine today. The, the last thing you want to do is sue a banshee. Everybody yeah. knows that. Because yeah. you'd be haunted. Yeah. 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 So we're we're drinking now Domaine Biard Perifil and this is their Bourgogne Haute Cote de Bonne. So this is a Pinot Noir, also from the same region. So mm. it, it's Burgundy. Um but this is the red take on Burgundy and it's Pinot Noir variety. Um the Haute Cote Haute Cote de Bone is the bit that's up the slope. Um so if you're in the village of Burgundy Effectively, everything to the west goes up a little hill and over. 
And it's kind of, in some ways, it's the it's the poor cousin of the Cote d'Or, which has the expensive grapes and all the famous villages. But in many ways now, it's where the value is in Burgundy. Um, and you tend to get quite delicate styles of wine here. Have you guys tasted this? Yeah, it is quite delicate. You're Very right, yeah. pretty yeah. wine, kind of floral at the same time. And um, this to me... I was saying earlier, Chardonnay and Oak Chardonnay specifically to me is the perfect turkey pairing. But if you're going to do red, do something that kind of replaces the cranberry sauce idea that Thanksgiving and Americans have done very well. So you do something that's kind of tart, bright, red fruited, that kind of style. And you just you add a little bit of bite to the meal. Yeah. Um, But this would be this is a delicious wine. This is a real glugger. And um, I mean, if Christmas isn't about spoiling yourself, then it is about getting blind drunk at the Christmas table. So Absolutely. Glugging That's is important. That's a beautiful also. sentiment. Thank you for that. Uh, how much is that? This uh, is 34 quid. 34 quid. And uh, where, where can one get them? Apart mm-hmm. from neighbourhood wines. You can obviously, obviously yeah, get yeah, a yeah, neighbourhood wine. Just yoinked one off the shelf. Um, but but would be widely available in Independence. 64 wines, Green Man wines, McHugh's, your local. Yeah. Okay, okay. I said with a certain amount of bitterness, you live closer to them as well uh, than your own place. You just need to open a place in the north side. That's your. That's I your do. Pro- I have a place in the north. Well, Ireland doesn't count. count. Of course, the north doesn't side. Count it to it. It's at least two hundred meters north of but, the river. Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> Have you been down Abbey Street recently? It's the north side. Okay. Well, no, I'm too scared. Uh, right. Uh, we'll uh, move on to uh, some movies to look forward to in 2023. Uh, one of them was called Tar. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Even though there's an accent on it. Uh, here's a clip. Lydia Tar is many things. As a conductor, Tar began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tar as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. Right. And now, that's uh, that's the trailer. I did watch that trailer even before I knew you were going to be mm. talking about this today because it sounded interesting. The trailer, funny enough, the trailer, <laughs> I hope the film is better than the trailer because all the trailer tells you is like she's really good at the old conducting yeah. uh, and then she looks a bit upset, does a bit of running, bit of driving, mm. but you don't know where the tension is in this. Yeah, all. oh no, this is unbearably tense as a film. So what's essentially going on is, is Lydia Tarr is, as you've heard, like this really, really celebrated. Who's a real person. No, no, no. Oh no! Really? Oh, I thought, no, no, I thought no, 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 no. I think that was like an, an intervention room, or like a kind of thick grew legs from the movie. But yeah, yeah, right. because okay. it's it's very much set in our time and our world, and like it talks about like her being interviewed, like she's interviewed by Alec Baldwin for his podcast on the show and all the rest mm. of it, and you know a lot of kind of well known people come through the through the thing, but uh, yeah, so she's this composer as you heard, like very very celebrated and all the rest of it, but she has a lot of darkness underneath her, and she is a very very controlling person, and she's actually 
as the film progresses, you find out that she's actually a monster of a person that she, you know, is very, very domineering, is controlling, has been using sex uh, with other women to control them and all the rest of it, that she has all these like weird peccadillos and all the rest of it. It's brilliant. I loved it. It was so, so good. She's absolutely going to win the Oscar for this performance. This is Kate Blanchett. Yeah, this is Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And she's absolutely going to win the, uh, win the uh, best actress for this. Um, Undoubtedly, I would, the nearest thing I could compare this to would be something like Whiplash, but not as sort of uh, joyfully intense, yeah, okay. for lack of a better word, that Whiplash is. This is just more like, it's horrible. It's almost, it's actually, no, it's closer to Silence of the Lambs, actually. There you go. Wow. It's okay. that kind of thing. Like, it has almost like psychological horror elements to it because she hears stuff in the middle of the night and she has these really terrifying dreams. And you kind of think, like, is it her guilt or is it the fact that she's going to be caught eventually for what she's done? Um, but yeah, it looks gorgeous. The music is brilliant in it and she is incredible. And so this is going to be out, I want to say, the second week or third week. This is January the 13th that's out. January yeah. the 13th is out, yeah. But yeah, catch this one if you can in the cinemas because it is really, really good. And you need to see it in the cinema as well because the sound system in the cinema is really, really important for this Okay, film. good point. Uh, Ten days later, January 23rd is when Empire of Light comes out. Mm. Now, as you said, they were into kind of Give us an Oscar season. Yeah, very much so. And this is very much in the give me an Oscar kind of uh, film. This is Sam Mendes, who we were talking about earlier, did 1917. Olivia Colman is back. She plays this cinema usher uh, and who has had a series of uh, mental health issues. She strikes up a relationship with a young usher there as well. But she's also been having an affair with Colin Firth's character, who's the cinema manager. This didn't get great reviews um, and I can kind of see why because it's a bit of a downer buzz and Olivia Colman is... As well, opposed to Tar, which sounds like a knockabout comedy. <laughs> well, no, 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 but like, I mean, it's, in, it's, 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 it's a very sort of, it's a downbeat film. Now, right, now okay. do you know what I kind of way. It's yeah. a very downbeat film. And Olivia Colman in it, she does tend to kind of Olivia Colman is a brilliant actress and when she's given great material she's brilliant with it but when yeah. she's given substandard material she really does you can see her struggling you can really see her working to try and make it better and in this film you can really see her struggling to make it better than what it is um, and it's quite it deals with like issues of like race in 80s uh, England and it does it in a quite a superficial fashion it's Okay, it's not great. I mean, okay. I don't know yeah. if I'd be running out to see it in the cinema. Chances are it's probably going to end up in Disney Plus in like a month's time. So if you want to see it, maybe wait for that. Okay, fair enough. And uh, Babylon? Babylon, yeah. So this is the new one from Damien Chazelle. People will know from Whiplash and yeah. they'll know him from La La Land. Um, this is another, you know, silent into talkies, into, you know, fall of old Hollywood, rise of new Hollywood. Um, Brad Pitt plays this... Um, uh, I guess you'd kind of call him like a Clark Gable actor, you know, has the world at his feet. But then when the arrival of the talkies comes, he's kind of a bit at sea. Same with Margot Robbie's character. She starts off in the silence. It becomes this huge star, but then the talkies happens and then she's not really not sure what's going on anymore. Um, I enjoyed it for its excess. And I will say this film is 18s and boy, howdy, does it earn that rating? Because literally in the opening scene, and I'm not giving this away because it's the opening scene, you see an elephant empty out its uh, intestines onto two people who are trying to push it up a hill. 
Okay. And then they Not get the excess I was hoping for, to be honest with well, you. Well, no, I mean, then 10 minutes later, then there's like a big giant orgy in a house. Okay, that's, that's like, more of my speed. There yeah. we go, yeah. No elephants involved in that. There is, actually, but oh, not in the sexual manner. Yeah. yeah I, elef- I don't like to look at a, an orgy and then be fat. The fate feeling, you know, insecure. In, in adequate, yeah. you know. How do you think I feel? <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, so this elephant gets walked through an orgy, and that's like the first, that's the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Take a crap on these people, with yeah. you there? Dumbo. Uh, right, okay. Uh, so it's a lot. I will it's say, like, it's, it's like three hours and 20. It's a lot. And I actually saw it the day I was doing the movies and booze, the one in the Sugar Club. I yeah. literally ran from the film to to the Sugar Club. Oh, right. And was still trying to process it. It's a lot to process. And okay. it's been, that's, that was what, two no, weeks ago. No wonder you went in that rant about the, the Royal yeah, Family right. that day. That's what was yeah. going on. Yeah. And the Fablemans, fair to say it's much anticipated? Yeah, it would be. I mean, Steven Spielberg, yeah. and it's him doing a kind of a personal tale about how he became a director and the, mm. became the talent that we know and love. Great cast, uh, Paul Dano, Michelle Williams. I think anyone who has an interest in Spielberg's career and like how he came to be, uh, I think will find something interesting. I think people who love cinema as a concept will get something out of this as well. Um, it's interesting for Spielberg because he's never done these sort of autobi- autobiographical personal films. Mm. You know, like Francis Ford Coppola has done that. Stanley Kubrick did that. Um but, you know, Spielberg's never done this, so this is him kind of doing an autobiographical thing, which is interesting for a guy at his stage in his career to do this. You know, it, it takes a lot. I'm excited to see this. I know some of the reviews have been a little bit iffy about it. Some ah. people think that it's a little bit over-sentimental, but, like, it's Spielberg, like, yeah. it's the man that made E.T. And he can actually get away with sentiment in a curious kind of way. Yeah, uh, You kind can. of forgive him for it. For yeah, yeah. Now, also, uh, The Whale... I suppose it's got something in common with the Fablemans, only in the sense that there's, you know, there's the, the story about what's his name who was in it, uh, and Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, Brenda Fraser yeah. and you know, the, you know, the very tragic set of circumstances that put him out of acting for such mm. a, a long time. So again, is this one of those ones where people don't want to give it a bad review, but maybe are tempted to? I've heard di- again. I've read different reviews. I have not yet seen it myself. I want to believe that it's as good as everyone says it is, because and I'm choosing to believe that, and um, because I want Brendan Fraser to have all the good things yes, in the world. Yeah, I really yeah. do feel from. I think Darren Aronofsky, who directed this, I think when he does these big, uh, sentimental, big mawkish almost kind of films he does them really well I mean I love The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke I thought that was great I thought that was really full of heart you really felt for Mickey Rourke's character the performance that he gave was really really there Requiem for a Dream I mean for all of the horror in it I do think there was a real um, beauty to it and all of that horror I think Um, so yeah I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to this I want to see it I hope it's good um, I've heard some people say that it is quite surface level and that it doesn't really kind of delve too deeply into Brendan Fraser's character. But again, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go see it one way or the other. I mean, even if I didn't have to see it for work, I would still want to see it. Yeah. Uh, and so going back to the theme of how well Irish uh, movies are doing uh, this year, this one continuing to the next year, when Gabriel Byrne joins the John Wick universe. There's a is John really? Wick universe. Yeah, uh, he go. is imminently closing a deal to star opposite Anna Dermis in the... Spin-off, oh, ballerina, 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 which yeah. I'm I'm not a John Wick head, so I'm not hugely familiar, but uh, the producer came out and said like they're really happy to have him because he's mysterious and has enigmatic presence and it lends itself really well to the universe. So it's him opposite Anna Darmus, Keanu Reeves is going to pop up, Angelica Houston is also cast, Lance Riddick, Norman Reedus. Um, very exciting for John Wick fans. Right, okay. And for Gabriel Byrne. Well, and well. I, what's this got to do with the John Wick films? It's a spin... Do you understand yes, why Yes, I do, completely. Yeah, yeah, can I take this? Yes. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. 
So, uh, John Wick is this international assassin who yeah. retired and all the rest of it. Because someone killed his dog. Because someone killed his dog. No, 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 but there's yeah. so much more to it. There's a whole okay. kind of like underworld and all the rest of it. And John Wick came from this group that um, one side of it are these like Russian wrestlers. That's where he grew up. And then the other side are these ballerinas, but they're actually assassins as well. So Anna Darmus is going to play one of them. What I've right. loved about John Wick is, is that they, they get these great actors to play these small little roles. Like Angelica Houston essentially plays Keanu Reeves' mother in it um, Lance Riddick is in there as well Franco Nero was in the second one the great Franco Nero from Italian mm. cinema so yeah oh yeah and um, what's his name Ian McShane is in there as well and yeah. he's terrific in it as well so yeah it's great okay right okay right, that, that explains it thank you very much for that uh, uh, Brian Fanula and Mick uh, thank you all uh, again today and thank you all for your contributions uh, during the year that's, uh, that's our lot uh, uh, for today The Hard Shoulder uh, is up next who's presenting The Hard Shoulder Kieran, all right, sorry. Sorry, I didn't want to. No, not casting aspersions on Kieran. You know, it might be gone this holidays or whatever. Right, our production team today, Ashley Moore, Michael Quilligan, Simon Tierney and Claire Collins. Kieran is up next on News Talk. As for the rest of ye, have a lovely Christmas. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. They're going to make me a dining off her account perfumes. A martini, shaken monster. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine.